because you understand that the teaching and the working of the spirit of the kingdom of God is continuous. There is usually no break. It's a flow. Out of our belly shall flow the rivers of living water. So it is ongoing. It is ongoing. And so when you take notes on Sunday, it is expected that when we meet on Wednesday, we do a little recap because it is what is repeated consistently that stays in the mind. Until the word enters your mind, then you can produce the desired results. You know, someone said, if I can touch your mind, then I can alter your life. So we want to ensure that all that we've been taking in, all that the man of God has been sharing and all the men of God have been sharing, we are soaking it in and it's creating the needed transformation for our life. Because if your life is not making progress, it's just a question of time. You can become a scum in the society. Progress is critical to God. God is a God of results. And he has made everything available for us to make progress in life. And one of the technology teaching of the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I'll do a little recap on what we have heard so far. And you can understand that my recap is not the one the senior pastor submitted to, to me. My recap is what I got from all that was shared. And we'll do that. And then thereafter, we'll go into the critical subjects of this evening. And then hopefully we'll start to engage ourselves. You recall that there's something very spectacular about this year, particularly from the very prophetic instruction itself. The prophetic guide for the year is that this year shall be a year of providential outcome, happy ending. Am I correct? I mean, and there is nobody that will see happiness and, and see frown. No, happiness is a very good therapy for life. The happier you are, the longer you live. Am I correct? The Bible said a merry heart, do the body good, like medicine. So the more happiness you experience, the lesser you are vulnerable to sickness. Am I correct here? So sadness attracts infirmity. Sorrow attracts sickness and disease. Depression and high blood pressure are all traceable to depression, sadness, all those things, all those vices of the enemy. But when you are happy, the truth is your lifespan is elongated. The covenant of longevity has its root also in happiness. Tell your neighbor, are you happy today? Are you happy this evening? Are you looking happy? Happiness is not a question. It should be seen on your face. Are you happy? Are you happy? The Lord will deliver happiness to us. But you see, whilst I was studying the concept of happiness, I realized that deeper and stronger than happiness is the concept called joy. Joy is stronger because it's a fruit that's coming out of a seed of the word of God, you know. So the prophetic guard for the year, the prophetic instruction or anchor for the year, something we should look out for as a corporate body, as a church, is that God told us this year, this year will be a year of providential outcome and happy ending. And the good news is that the year has not ended. A number of people are already experiencing it. People are already, I mean, I, I can tell you that what I've enjoyed this year, I didn't enjoy last year. Because one of the best prayers a man can pray in his life is that you will never refer to a better last year. Am I correct here? One of the ultimate evidence that your life is progressive is that you don't have it today. And you are saying that yesterday is better than today. No, it should be from glory to glory. But we know that those things don't happen because you desire it or you wish it. You put certain condiments and certain actions are put in place to ensure that your life is progressive. There is nothing that happens by a wish. You must do something about it. And so we have stayed on that subject. And then pay attention if you are spiritual and born again in the house. You would observe that every message since January, every message that has come from this pulpit, including the Monday morning prayers, everything has been the attempt of God to ensure the full manifestation of the potency of that prophecy. If you, I mean, if you're born again and discerning believer, you would observe. Now, I can play back a number of messages that has a lot of correlation with the destination of that prophecy. 
But in the past couple of weeks, particularly from um, the teaching of the sixth day, you remember the sixth day? How many of you remember the sixth day? The sixth day happens to be a symbolic day that says that when you're at your peak of frustration, you're at a peak of discouragement and despair, you've looked around, everything looks gloom and dark. Nothing seems to be happening, no help. You are screaming, you are the only one hearing yourself. Everything is just ending. It's the sixth dark day. And then God showed and said, look, if I told you it's going to be happy ending, man, the best you should do is believe it. If it is dark, called night, I trust God that God will always create a morning because the day will never end with night. You know it's night at the moment right now. Do you know the truth here, saints of God? In the next couple of hours, it will be what? Morning. And the Lord told us in that particular message that if there is a sixth day, there is also what? The seventh day. And some enter their seventh day. As we speak, perhaps somebody is just trying to transit from the sixth to the seventh. And some are in the seventh. In fact, when I heard the last message of, the last version of that message was on a Wednesday, Pastor Yomi Ancourt, and he was saying that you can be on the seventh day and join all the lajis, all the, all the merriment of the seventh days and accomplishments and the, and the testimony of the seventh day. And if you're not careful, you can be back to the sixth day or bad days. And I listen carefully that what can make a man go from seven to six again? And remember that the scripture he quoted was Joshua chapter eight. I will never forget that. Listen to me. These are the things that I didn't write down. These are the things that are echoing in my mind by way of listening and studying. And he said... Joshua, after the seventh day destroying wall of Jericho, went to meet a small city that the population was relatively small compared to the population of Jericho. And when he got there, he lost the battle. Am I correct, sir? He lost the battle in Joshua chapter 8. And the reason was what? Because the word of God that sustained them in seventh day, they didn't look for that same word on the eighth day, if there was any. And they lost it. So it, it points to the fact that the continuous hearing of God's word is what sustains the seventh day. Am I correct here, saints of God? And honestly, nobody wants to fall short of the seventh day. Mm, they, they, you see, the, the, the sixth day can make you have forceful gray hair. This gray hair is not always natural. It's just some of you think, I, 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 I'm that old. No, I'm not that old. You see, there's something about the impact when life happens. You know when they say life happens? The sixth day can force the gray hair out of you. The sixth day can make a light that say, God, I'm the only one. What's going on here? The sixth day can tell someone like Peter, I'm packing it up, it's all over. The sixth day can change your narrative and optics about God. The sixth day can make you question if God truly loves you. So, if by some divine providence of happy ending, you escape to the seventh day, hey, you, had, you don't want to have a repeat because affliction should not happen the second time. And the sustaining element here is the continuity of the now word. Not what God said, but what God is saying. He is always saying something to sustain you now because his love, they are new every morning. So the whole you can't catch the new God. So that's why we come to the place of transformation every day because transformation is a continuous process. The whole you can't deal with the new God. So we have that message and it stayed. And when pastor showed up in the continuation of that message, Two Sundays ago, because last Sunday was the continuation of the, the penultimate Sunday, it talked about the keys of triumphant. Oof. And I'm going to dwell on that a little. The story that led to the sixth day, the story that led to the sixth day revelation was the story of Pastor Shedda one on, who do men say 
And everybody, and the question came in twofold. The first is, what men are saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What men are saying about you? What everybody's using to describe your life? Whether they know what you're dealing with or not, but the most dominant situation in your life becomes your next name? What do men say? Then the next is, what do you say? Uh -huh. Can I pause in a moment and let's play out a little twist of that drama. That drama is, can we imagine in a second now that God gathered all the angels and you are now the Jesus asking the question. I ask myself that question. And you are now the Jesus asking the question, asking God, who do, you, who do the angels say that I am? And they just say, ah, you, you're never, you never regular in church. Oh, you okay. You don't come. In fact, they beg you every time to give offering. That's what the angels are saying. You know, did you get this logic at all? I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say here. Like Jesus asked the question, asked his disciples, what do you say, what do men say? So we are now reversing this scenario now. That now it is you who is the Jesus. Because we want to know who you are. You are now the Jesus and say, the angels are now to answer God. God is asking the angels. Who do men say that this man is? So his name is, um, his name is, uh, let me call my friend, Pastor Collins. Is that Collins. Oh, Pastor Collins. He's a very great man, wonderful man, very good hearted, tender man. He's a man that has can't offend an ant. He's always paying those who fix his condition, whether they pay, whether they do the AC of the car or not, we pay them. He's a very generous man. He's a great man with a good heart. If you like, take his money. We say, well done, God bless you. He's such a great man. That's what the angels say about Pastor Collins. Then they will now ask, but what do you really say? But who is Pastor Collins? At that point, truly, the angels will not answer again. It will be Pastor Collins who say, Pastor Collins, who are you? How does God see you? How does God see you? How does God see you? That was a twist I had when that message came forth. How does, if God were to describe me, what would he say about me? You know, in the last day, he said, hey, you, you, are, you, you are not a faithful servant. Go away. And the, the people will answer back to God and say, but we did a lot of things in your name. So even when they were using his name, he was approving it, authorizing the other thing they were saying his name. But then that is what people want to see. But who are you? We call you born again. Are you really born again? Who are you? That message changed the narrative. The entire object about my interaction with God. If God were to bring out the appraisal form and say, how do I appraise you, Steve? That for me. You can examine yourself this evening. Examine yourself. And then when we're done, that message then took us to the sixth-day thing, then we have a triumphant key living. Why am I referring to the message of who are you? Who do you see me? It's because if you read that scripture, what do men say that I am? By the time you are reading it down, Peter now answered and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. If you now go further, you will now see that Jesus now looked at Peter and said, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, for this you have done, I will give you the keys. I don't know, did you get that in your Bible? I will give you the keys. So, the keys that the man of God preached on Sunday, frankly speaking, and in fairness to my interpretation of the scripture there, is not for everyone. It is a person who can claim to have a personal revelation of God himself. Who do you say Jesus is to you? 
and he said, oh, you are the son of God. For this thing, because you know this thing, you have a clear knowledge of who I am as a person. I will then take you further, away from the park, and give you a keys. Because keys gives you access to the door. No matter how pressed you are to go to the restroom, if the toilet door is locked, right? If the toilet, the door will not open to you because you are pressed. You will need a key. We cannot play down the essence. Some of us are standing the, between where we are and where we want to be, there is a door. That door requires a key. And he said that we'd only give to you, the gift to you, not because you are desperate or you are hungry or you are tired or you are frustrated. No, I will give that key to you based on the revelation of the me that you know. If you know me as God, then I will handle this key to you. Because at that point, then you can use it well. And then we enter that dimension of keys of triumphant Christian living. And the first key that was mentioned, now for you all you know, this thing is not on this note, it's all from my mind. The first key the man of God gave us, penultimate Sunday was, I don't know what keys you got, but I'll tell you the key I got. The instruction was, train your mind to count your blessings. Am I correct, saints of God? Christians, am I correct? Train your mind to count the blessings of God. I can build a whole sermon on that statement. You know one of the reasons why? Because the things that are reminding you are a failure, they are louder in voice and volume than what your mind should see. The things that will tell you you have failed, brother, is louder in volume than... So, when the man of God said, train your mind, it means it is a deliberate, intentional, methodical attempt you must be so conscious of it because if you are not, you won't see the blessings, no matter how big or how small they look. Train your mind. So I, I didn't talk about the blessing. I stayed on the training of the mind. How do you train your mind? So for instance, as I'm standing before you, a lot of you will see different dimensions of me. Somebody can look at me and say, ah, but his jacket is rumpled. You know what that simply means? That is the much you can see. They say we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. Are you following me? So train your mind. Where well, someone can look at me and say, ah, I like the fact that he's putting effort to what he's doing. Two minds, the same object, different response. Are you following me here? So, so for instance, now someone said, I am dying of hunger. God is not fed to me. I don't have food. And they spoke with you. You either say, ah, you are dying of hunger, God is not fed to you, you don't have food. I imagine I just said, give thanks. What kind of thanks do you think can come from a mind that is not trained? What is there to give thanks for? I said, I'm hungry. Is that not the likely response? I mean, I can't give thanks. But just to train your mind, what is there to give thanks to an hungry man? Can someone help me a little first? Let me start with that. What is something that you can say that projects thanksgiving when you are hungry, there is no food? Just help me think. Train your mind to see the good in everything. What is something that can come to mind? You know what can come to mind? For my mind, I would say things like, thank God I have appetite. Is that correct? Thank God I what? Does that sound like the right way to be thankful? It takes a mind that is trained to extract such a blessing from such difficult experience. Okay, let's give another example here. 
someone that is saying, oh my God, I've been stayed, I'm almost 40, I don't have a husband, oh my God, I don't have this, I'm not married. What kind of thanksgiving can come from such a predicament, anybody? No, we have started now, train your mind. Eh? You are still alive, you have life. That sounds very good. Any other person, think of something. You know, as I'm speaking, you're looking at your situation and you want to extract what is something I can thank God for in my situation. So for someone that is saying, I'm not married, I don't have a husband, no, 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 no. You know what I can tell such a person? If I was in that situation, I would say, I can feel the absence of loneliness because there is no one around. Is that correct? There's no husband, there is no spouse. But do you know there are people who have all the lovable people around them, they can't feel them. You know, there are people like that. Oh, yes, I will take you to General Hospital. They have their wives, their children, their MD, their money, their accounts. They can't feel anything. They are not dead, though. They just can't feel anything. For the fact that you can still feel the fact that there is no spouse, believe me, there is something to thank God for. Am I correct here? Now, listen to this. Okay, I met a young man. He's seated over there. I met him during the evangelism evangelism program that we went for. And he sat there, in fact, when I saw him, I said, what is wrong with you? He said, I don't know, I'm just hungry, life is miserable. I said, okay, come tomorrow to church on Sunday, I will do this, I will do that. And the following Friday, what did he say happened to him? He was going and Roger, you know Roger, you know how they carry Roger, they just carried this poor young man and locked him up in, in cell in a police station. No phone, no family, nothing. Let me ask a very honest question. For that young man, what is something you should thank God for? Yeah. What do you think that young man in that situation should be thanking God for? Train your mind to count your blessings. The second key that came in on Sunday, who can remind me of the second key? Is there no microphone or something? I need to hear what someone is saying because we're moving to the message now. I'm glad you made it to church. The young man in question is seated over there, looking very gay and bright, excited, full of life. Congratulations, you came through. Jesus had, has a lot of plans for you. But I would love to ask him, how did you thank God when you were there? Rabbi said, well, I just thank God that, ah, at least they didn't take me to Kirikiri and go and replace me with one Condemn criminal. You know they do that? They substitute people. <laughs> Your situation is not the worst, though. There's always a training of the mind to thank God. Someone is grateful already this evening. Who is that person? Say amen. amen. All right, what was the second key on Sunday? Insist on good news and no less. Oh, shit. Thank you. I took that message... And I went back to read it, and fortunately, the visual aid will not work this evening. I think they had a little technical itch in there. Have they fixed it, sir? Not yet. So you're going to have to stay with as much as I can put pictures in the gist. So don't stay awake with me. Don't sleep, okay? Because usually I like to play the video and all the images so that it will help us to stay awake. Now, when you go to First Kings chapter 18, that's where the scripture came from. Am I correct? And when we were in pastor's office, pastor's, I said... Ah, did it just dawn on anybody that all that Elijah was doing to bring down the rain to support Ahab, it just dawned on me that Elijah didn't need the rain. Who actually needed the rain? Eh? Ahab needed the rain. 
And the man of God was busy laboring for this man. And then another part that caught my attention was when he finally concluded that the rain was coming, he told Elijah to, he told Ahab to go. Elijah was told to go, and to go to the dining room and start eating. Am I correct? Well, the man of God wouldn't even have any business with the rain. Went where? Went to the camel and started to do what? Intercede and pray. When I heard it that way, I said, ah, it's man of God. You know what God told me eventually? He said, no, don't say that uh, Elijah did not need the rain, no. I said, no, but he did not. He said, he now took me back to that same false scene, chapter 17, that it was the same Elijah that took the rain away. It was Elijah that took the rain. So I then asked God, why did Elijah take the rain? I don't have the time. I would have loved to explain that the nation of Israel then and now were in the same predicament. Something else had taken over the land called the prophets of Baal. Baal, God was relegated to a place of no recognition. The temple and the synagogue was almost like this. People were no longer coming to meet God because God didn't seem like he had solution to their issue. They were going after Baals. And for the words after Baal so badly that Jezebel had to kill some of the so-called noisy pastors there. He killed them that Obadiah, one of the aides of Ahab, took about few of the prophets to go and hide them to give them water, water and bread. This is not the church that Jesus wants to see. Something is fundamentally wrong. Then the message for another day. Elijah then had to show up on the scene and he locked the heaven. I said, if I lock this heaven and the family will touch the royal family, then somebody will wake up and say there is a need to go. And if you study that story very well from chapter 17 to 18, at some point Ahab had to say, who is this fellow that is troubling Israel? My prayer, that the reputation of this assembly, the reputation of my pastor, we get to the king and the palace of the king, and they will say, who is that man of God that is troubling Nigeria? No, you don't get it. You know the truth here? If the citizens are okay, they will have minimal excuse not to come to church. Are you aware that there's this very strong connection between governance and the church? There's a lot of connection. If there is a fundamental welfare provision in the nation, the people can have time. Now, in case you are in doubt, when Moses came to rescue them in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh said to them, Oh, it's because they have time. That is why they are thinking of how to escape. They say, go and take away the straw. Go and make their life more difficult. And the more their life became difficult, they got so frustrated to a point that they told Moses to leave them alone. That is how powerful government can affect the belief system and the mind and the worship of the people of God. But it will take the voice of one Elijah to put trouble. I know our senior pastor... And the recent fire revival that I've experienced, I've seen around him, this country will remember him for good forever. Because he will continue to say it strong, say it real, and this nation. And when Elijah locked it, they looked for him. I know when they looked for him, when they, in fact, when they sent Abadiah to go and look for him, when he met Abadiah, he said, Abadiah, go and tell that your king that I'm in town. Abadiah said, you can't do that now. You can't tell me to go and deliver such a message. So that by the time I leave you now, you would have disappeared. And the king will not say, where is the Elijah that you saw? So I said, they will not take off my head. No, you can't do that. He said, no, but I won't disappear this time around. One man terrorized the entire nation. All for one purpose. You know what? 
When they eventually agreed to see about that, I mean, King Ahab, he said, King Ahab, we must define this mess in this land. Believe me, there is mess going on in the land. Real mess. If you are staying on the social media, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> TikTok, all those media, and you see what people are going through, you will ask yourself, I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. How am I making impact in this whole mess? When he called them, he said, look, I'm not here to just leave the rain so that you can go back to your life. You know what I came here for? I want to put an end to the reign of Bar. You know Bar? He carried four. How many prophets of Bar did he kill? He killed all of them. Wiped them out. I see the church of Jesus rising up against all the force of Baals in this land. And the Lord will subdue them in the name of Jesus. And that key that he gave us on Sunday said, never settle for the wrong result. Never. It looks like something you must insist. And so while waiting for the Lord for this service, the message came to mind. Today we're going to be talking about in 1 Kings 18 from verse 43. If you have your Bible, you might have to open it because it won't be on the screen. We read from that story that Elijah called, in that story of Elijah, Elijah is the senior pastor now. Let me picture the scenario very well. Elijah is Pastor Femi Paul. The servant that he was sending on the errand is you. Are you following me? It's you. Pastor Femi Paul told, let me call that person Pastor Collins. It's my friend here. Friend Pastor Collins. Pastor Collins, I have commanded the rain to come down to relieve the land of the famine. But I need you to go to that distance and confirm the arrival of the rain. And the Bible tells us that Pastor Collins, on the instruction of the man of God, went to look out if the rain was truly there. And lo and behold, the rain was not there. Number one, he went, he came back. He said, sir, I can't see the rain. The man of God said to Pastor Collins again, Collins, go back. You will see the rain. Collins went back. The second time, he didn't see the rain. The third time, he didn't see the rain. So let's pause. At this point in time, is it possible for Collins to look at the senior pastor? Who have said, Pastor, uh, are you, you know, uh, you know the part, part, Pastor, let me know, in case you didn't notice, the king has left you. You are here. You are sending me to God. Rain is not that small now. If it's going to rain, it will rain. It doesn't require this kind of supervision going up and down. As a matter of fact, if it's going to rain, the cloud would have changed. What are you, what, is there something you need to explain here? Is it possible for that servant to have been looking at Elijah that way? And maybe you didn't get it. Pastor will now, when the, when the man leaves, pastor will go this way, interceding. And so when I look at that story, I said, what's the best title for today's message? I said, the title for today's message, write it down, is called, Go Again. Hmm? Go again. <coughs> Go again. Go again. And when I took that title, 
I said to myself, you cannot give me water. Thank you. I said to myself, people have not failed in life primarily because they didn't have a vision. Now, follow me now, follow me now, and those online. You are not where you are this moment in case you are not happy with your life because God does not have a plan for your life. You are not here right now because the country is unfair. If you would agree with me, at least, not all of us, maybe some of you would agree, that something that is very, very, very cardinal to the reason why some people don't excel again in life is because they experience something they call they gave up. You know what give up means? Give up. It takes someone who have been there one, two, three, four. At the point of four or five, he gave up. The, not, the moment you give up on something you are going after, by natural default, the possibility of experiencing the testimony has ended. True or false? So let us now ask a question. Has, has anybody ever given up on anything before? Have you experienced a situation where by yourself, you told yourself, I give up on this? Anybody here? Anybody here? There is no amount of prayer, believe me, and I'm not saying this to excite you. Respectfully, I'm saying it. There is no amount of prayer you will pray to say that the outcome of your expectation should become a testimony if you are giving up. Am I correct? So giving up looks like a critical position in the life of a man to determine if he will see the outcome of his expectation or not. But on day-to-day -day basis, this demon, whether it's a demon, whether it's a spirit, on day-to-day -day basis, people give up. People give up on business. People give up on marriage. People give up on relationship. People give up on projects. People give up on their own personal life. We have had people who give up on their life, and once they give up, the next thing they do, you know, when you go to the hospital, and they, the doctor say, she has given up. Do you know the next thing they say? Pack it up. They pack. That means once you say, I can't do it again, the next thing the doctor says is pack the body up. So every time you say, give up, they pack up the testimony. So today, I want us to have a very practical engagement. Why do people give up? It's my first question. Why do people give up? Because usually, people don't give up. They don't start a project with the primary intention to give up. Am I correct? Nobody starts out anything. They start out with excitement. They start out with clarity of purpose and vision. In fact, some of them are already spending the money they have not earned from the business. But what suddenly changes? What suddenly altered the inner excitement and enthusiasm they started with? And all of a sudden, you see them just go cold. I say, what happened to that marriage? Oh, why do people give up? I need you now. You know you promised to encourage me. So keep your promise. Why do people give up? Because you would not have given up if you were not sure before you started. You would not have given up. You usually start out knowing that there is an outcome. But along the line, why do you throw in the towel? Why do people give up? It's the first question I like to ask, and it's very practical, very real, except 
And then if you're going to answer me, answer me if you can support with a little testimony or a little story of what you give up on. Hmm? That boy was going up and down. He would have been looking at Elijah. And that's why I say this to the concept of followership. Sir, if you follow a man because of results, you will give up along the way someday. Follower because of his character and integrity. If you follow a man because of character and integrity, you will understand loyalty. If it's, if it's the bread giving, they say some people, they are, they are attached to you, some people are assigned to you. Attachment is people who come based on the bread and the fish. But for someone assigned to your destiny, whether they see the result or not, it is you. I say this I mean, jokingly in my private bedroom. I'm not saying this to the flattery of the, pastor, of the senior pastor. The truth is, the moment I say someone is my senior pastor, the person can't go wrong in my eyes again. Because the moment I can cite error in the man that God sent over my life, that blessing stops from that moment. That's the truth. God has not assigned me to correct his servants. It's not part of my responsibility to correct his servants. Let the man who called him take care of him. As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the protocol of delivering miracle, God will never do anything without going through a man. Because he blessed men, true men, by men. So, this man could have looked at Elijah. Say, if not that, I know you. So, remember that story? Would the men say that I am? It is the revelation of Jesus that hand Peter the key. I know you. It is not about the bread or the things you have done in the past. I will never trap a man in his yesterday when God is working with him now. No. Why do people give up? Some people give up on their children. I've heard it before. Around my auntie Sumi, let's just leave him. I have four children. I mean, one of my pastor friends said he was giving up one of his son for adoption. One of my pastor friends said it. And I have already told the boys. <laughs> I didn't say it to. You know, when you are standing here, be careful what you say. We are hearing everything. <laughs> All right, tell me, why do people give up suddenly in life? Help me, it's a promise you made that you will encourage me. Pastor Collins, I hope I'm getting this tie right. Why do people give up? Why do people just give up? They give up from coming to church. They give up from even giving to God. So I don't want to give God again. I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm not giving again. Some people give up relationship. Yeah, why do people give up? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll just cite an example. Um, sometimes people give up when nothing seems to be working. Correct. Everything they have tried failed. I remember when I first started my business. And, uh, you know, the business is such that you have to sell a lot of stuff on, in, on credit. And then I was doing a lot of business, doing a lot of turnover. And then your system will be checking and you'll be seeing profit on the system. There's no profit in the bank. Until one day, when I needed to do something with money, I, I couldn't find money. And I said, let me just go on a hunt on, to recover all the money. That's when it dawned on me that all that I was doing was just going into debt and debt, you know. I had to close the shop and do a phone drive, try to see if I could recover the money. I couldn't recover the money. And I was practically, you know, I practically lost everything trying to recover the money that, that was out there. And since I discovered that that was not working, I gave up. I just locked up the shop, went home, and sat down. Because everything seems not to be working. But when God said to me, what do you have in your hand? Mm. 
I said that I have people's trust. People trust me. People know that they can depend on me. It's like, use that and start again. Now, this thing didn't happen maybe over one night or two nights. It took quite a long period of time. And uh, I went again and sold my shop. Sold them, got the money, got a smaller shop, started afraid. I started taking goods on credit. Even that still didn't work out. But in the process, I trained myself and then some people saw value and asked me to come and work with them, and that's where I'm working today. Hallelujah. So sometimes that when you see that nothing works, you haven't asked yourself or you haven't, you know, looked through everything to say, what exactly is it that you are lacking? Maybe this thing is not working for you. Maybe you need to try something else. But sometimes we try everything that we know to try. It's just that we are looking into one direction. For instance, you look to becoming an entrepreneur, and that thing is not working. You have not told yourself. Maybe you should go back into employment. Hmm. But the pride sometimes, I remember when I started working, somebody told me, Collins, how can you be working for this person now? You are bigger than that. I swallowed the shame, did everything, and just, God has helped me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Very good one. Why do people give up? Look at what he said. When they, stop, when they don't see results, they don't see results. And they are pressed for time. Shame is approaching. Everybody is asking questions. How come the next option is give up? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, people give up because at a particular point in time, it looks like they can't work anymore. Hmm. Because people start with wrong motivation and expectation. Okay. Because when we set up to, on a journey, we are so tempted to believe, to shape the way the journey will look like. So, when there is no flow, we are not getting the result we expected. We lose momentum. Okay. Not probably because what we are doing is not going to work. Because we listen to the environment. We look at what we are doing and what others have done. And because we don't have the real information to know how many orders we will pass before we succeed, we just give up because we lack information about what we are doing. Hmm. Because what we have done is capped with expectation and it's mental. So when it's not going towards what we see, we are discouraged. Hmm. And we just look at our environment, we can relate with People are good, after all, I can do something else, and we submit, and we give up. Is it? Mm. Very good. Mr. appreciate you. Let me bring it a bit more technical. Sometimes it is the last stage, usually, when people say, I'm not doing again, and they turn back. Some don't turn back, but they move around with the symptoms of someone who seems to have given up. You know, there are symptoms of someone and they move around. For instance, let me, let me say this to you. Have you heard this sentence before? I've tried my best. Anybody heard that before? Do you know technically you're already giving up? You have given up on that gradually. Because that alone will, will take away the motivation to continue. Why do people just give up? Because the way we are all answering now, you're answering me like, uh, well, I've tried to give up, but I went back again. I'm talking about people who really gave up and forgot about it. For, let me give you an example of someone in the Bible. Are you aware that if not for the timely intervention 
of when Jesus stepped into the scene, Peter was packing his boat and he was going home. That is the typical picture of a man who seems to have given up. There are people at the verge of that. There are people who are going through that. As I'm speaking online, some people are already, already thinking, look, are you aware that some people that jackpot, the jackpot was an exit in form of modified giving up on Nigeria. There are people who have given up on Nigeria. Jokingly, I mean, Pastor Collins' opinion on Sunday said, look, I've given up on Nigeria. There are people who, right now, the reason why they are still in the country is that they don't have the means of exit. They have given up completely on this country. There are people who have given up on their parents. There are people who are not married in their maybe late 30s, early 40s. They have given up on the idea of marriage. There are those who have given up. Are you aware that Sarah gave up on conceiving a child at some point? In fact, it was God had to say, uh, you, you have lost hope. Why do people give up? The answer Pastor Colin gave is excellent when there is no result. So the question is that, the scene of the result, is it what should determine the continuity of the process? You can answer. Why do people give up? So I want to hear another question I'm going to ask you. What are the invincible symptoms of a man at the verge of giving up? The invincible symptoms of someone who is at the verge of training the toil. Yeah. Symptoms you see in speech. Symptoms you see in behavior. Have you seen someone enter through the gate, say, where are you going? I'm going to church. And I, so why are you walking like this? Well, I just can't sit at home. Huh? Have you met people like that? I just want to sit at home. Symptoms of people who are just training the towel gradually. In fact, maybe someone came to church this evening saying, let me hear what, maybe for some reason they might say something reasonable that would encourage me. You're already showing symptoms of someone throwing in the towel. I want to ask, the story of the boy that was going up and down, in the story, did we capture at any point that the boy looked at Elijah and said, Oga, I'm not going again. Did that happen? Did you read it in that story? No. I learned now from personal experience of life. I am tired is not the same thing as I'm lazy. Am I correct? Let me show you another good example of someone. The incident of Jesus while he was carrying the cross and they had to help him lift the cross. The Simon of Cyrene lifted the cross on his behalf. Did Jesus, was he trying to give up at that point? No. What do you call that one? He was tired. So let's not put it together. I am tired symptoms. It's not the symptoms as the symptoms of someone who is already giving up. My message this evening is for someone who is saying, I don't want to go again. Okay, let me ask. People backslide after giving their life to Christ. Don't you think they gave up? Why do people give up? What are the symptoms of someone that is giving up? The pain you went through trying to make sure you see the dream can make you give up. Am I correct? The pain you went through trying to see success for someone who is trusting God for fruit of the womb and he did about seven IVF. If he gave up on the eight, is it her fault? No. People are giving up every day on everything and anything. But let me show you a very beautiful scripture. Have you seen something in Habakkuk chapter 2, 3 to 4? If you have it. 
If you can hold on to this thing I'm about to show you, fortunately, we don't have that. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, two, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. What's in there? Anybody help? Give them mic now. You know, we do like the former old CAC church. Let's read the Bible. Habakkuk 2. Then I will ask you a next question. And this question is far more interesting. What's in Habakkuk 2, 3 to 4? And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon mm -hmm. tables. That he may run that readed it. You may what? Run, run. that readed it. Mm -hmm. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. An appointed time. time. Mm -hmm. But at the end, oh, thank you. it shall speak. But at when? At the end. So what happens to a man who gave up? And you know, in that story of Elijah, the counting was going to be seven. No? I don't know if Elijah told the boy that it's seven times. Do you know the truth? If Elijah had told that boy, hey boy, it's seven times you will go. Do you think the boy will be tired? No, the way you're seated now, if God just called, called your name and said, Pastor Collins, by this time, 2024, July 26, you will be a multi-billionaire. Pastor Collins, what would you do? What, do you think anything will bother you again or worry you? Why? Okay, help me with the mic there. Somebody's not getting it. Hello, good evening. Good evening. Yes, uh, nothing will bother Pastor Collins because he has a sense of security. He knows that this is where the destination is going to be. So another example is, you know, it's in line with what you were saying. Another reason why people give up is because, so there's something we do in product design where you let people know that something will soon end. So if you're going through a registration process, let's say you have for a fintech app now and you have like registration for like um, seven steps. Now, instead of you to just let people keep feeling and feeling and feeling, they will get frustrated because they are not seeing any end point. But when you put it there that, okay, one out of six, it lets you know that, okay, my debe, I'll soon be there. If you see uh, five out of six, you know that, okay, I'm very close. It's the same thing with workout. When you're working out, your trainer gives you timing. He says, okay, in 30 minutes, do this planking. Or sorry, in 30 seconds or one minute, do this. You know that in 30 seconds, you will be done. So there's a foreseeable future that at the end of this, there's peace for me. At the end of this, there is satisfaction. But when you start off something and you don't know how to go about it or where it's going to lead you, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be a lot of pain, heartache and all sorts. So the fact we can't see the end is a problem. <laughs> but that's the thing about the human mind. The spirit doesn't work like that. But because the mind is, can be quite domineering, it takes you a lot to subdue the mind and know that, okay, I don't need to see the end, but because of God or with God, you know, the end justifies the means. But with flesh, we have to see the end, but that's basically it. I hear you. Please, let's celebrate it. So one of the dominant reasons why people give up is because of the unknown. Is that correct? So let me ask the next question. The Bible said concerning Jesus in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, yeah. It said because of the glory in front of him, he endured because of the joy 
So this question is very, very beautiful question. You right now, you all just appear like you, don't, you have not given up, you have not experienced the intention to give up. So let me ask, what usually keeps a man on his toes, even when he doesn't, the unknown is not clear, the destination is not clear, the behavior is not changing? Have you had a very stubborn child, or a stubborn husband, or a stubborn wife? How we do this? You are just, for first year, you didn't change, second year, no change, third day, no change, you are not seeing anything. Because seven days, they were going around Jericho, there was no crack, there was no movement, but they kept going. Let me ask the next motivational question. What do you think should keep a man on his feet, regardless of what he's seen or not, whether there's a result, and yet he will keep going with the same energy? What do you think? What are the things? All right, now I'm seeing hands. One thing that should keep a man on his, on his feet, feet. be or, as practical as possible, or believing, I believe, is the word of God. Because I'm not trying to be spiritual, but ah, common sense tells me wrong that spiritual. It's, it's the word of God. Because the word of God is what reinforces your understanding that the thoughts I have of you are of good and not of evil to get you an expected end. That alone lets you know that, okay, I'm not a waste. I will not be a waste because God needs me for something. And I will achieve that something in quotes. You might not know what it is, but knowing his word, it, it reassures you. Okay. It comforts you. You know, there's peace in his word. Very good. So the word of God should be able to sustain you. And of course, when we say the word of God, it's not what you, is what God is saying to you now. That is the kind of word that will sustain you. What else can sustain a man when he's demotivated or he's feeling like giving up? Okay, just to take it a step further, the word, but not just um, the knowledge of God, of him, what you know about him, the revelation, you know, your personal revelation is what keeps you going because it's beyond um, what has been said. Now it has now, that word has become flesh, kind of, it has been made known to you. So it's easy for you to run with it, no matter what you're saying, the challenge is in front of you. Okay, let me ask this one. I like the, please appreciate her. Is it possible for you to say, because of what people will say, I will not fail? Is it possible for that to keep you going? Have you heard of siblings' rivalry before? Siblings who are competing with themselves. Though it's supposed to be a negative thing, but you know that's internal competition has kept some of them on their feet. You are not supposed to make enmity of people. Some people are only reminding why you should not fail. I will never forget the statement of a young man, um, his name Daily in protocol. He said, Mr. Pastor Steve, you have to stay here in this church. No matter the shame, no matter the insult or assault, stay and face it. I said, why? He said, you are crawling now. The day you stand to walk, the same people that said stone him to death, they will clap their hands and say, give God all the glory. You don't know how powerful that image stayed in my mind. That sometimes it's in the midst of, he's a thief, he's a bad boy. Some of those commendations should contribute to the strength within you. He shall set a table before me even on the presence of my enemy. Am I talking to someone here? Your landlord showed up and said, you must pack out today. You will tell the landlord, packing is not a problem, but you're only reminding God it's time for him to build me a house. You know, somebody can take the same instruction and say, God, you never loved me. You're such a wicked boy. In fact, from today, I will never serve you again. And then they call from a friend and say, Job, pack one, there's one baba in Oshobo. When the devil throw the stones, take the stone as the next step and build an elevation with it. Now, some of the things I like to hear, I appreciate the fact that you told me God's word, but I've seen people who keep malice with God and put their Bible far away from them. 
It is their reality that determines if they will go on or not. Have you, have you dealt with a husband that is very difficult? Someone sent a text to me last night. He said, I'm tired, I'm discouraged, I'm about to commit suicide. Because the husband beat her black bull. They, blew, they took her to the hospital. And I said, you're only human to be tired. But there's something I have learned also. It's in the midst of this bitterness and this pain. You can gather strength and redefine your destiny. Hold it into your hand and say, no, I won't fall for the size of Goliath. My stone will kill this Goliath. No, believe me, friends, it takes a man who has seen pain, suffering, to speak the way I'm speaking. A man who has not passed why I can't teach anybody to pass why I've seen it. The things that can keep you going. If you have a child who is not doing well in school, you know what comes to mind? I have a little, my, one of my little, you know, boy then. Thank God for the mother. The, boy, the mother snatched him away from me because the expectation I built around the young man, I knew I had overraised the standard. So the mother said, look at you. Can you remember the story of Pastor's son? I mean, if you know the story of Pastor's son, that they almost rusticated him, not in the university. He said, if Pastor's son, that same boy, that same boy can graduate with first class in foreign university, ah, I can't give up on this boy. So the point right now is that if you are feeling pain in your heart right now, you are feeling tired and discouraged and despair, can I tell you the truth? Those things are positive injection to activate your adrenaline to say, no, I won't fall. For the sake of the children coming behind me, I won't fall. But let us see something in scripture that reminds you. The Bible said Jesus did not give up because he saw the joy ahead. Let me show you this one in the book of Jeremiah. Something else you can do to keep yourself going in the midst of no results, the unknown. Something you can keep going. Remember the title of this message is what? Go again! I know a man who is in Canada now. He wrote jump five times. You know the man? Oh, you don't know. Five times. He is in Canada. Not like uh, someone that just jackpot went honorably. Can you see something in Jeremiah 13, 19? The Lord gave us a provision how to survive it when it is getting tough. Is there. Jeremiah 13, 19. Can someone help me a little? There is nobody seated here in this auditorium that is not going through difficult times. There is none. None. Financial difficulty, emotional difficulty, health challenge, all sorts. But God is saying there are two things. It's either you give up and they pack you up or you keep going off. And these are the things you need to do to go up. And I've given you, the first one is the word of God. The second one is that don't let the stones thrown at you be a reason to say, no, I'm not going again. Gather those stones and make an elevator. Out of it. Jeremiah says, if you can continue the voice of thanksgiving, I will prosper you. What did you say? Read it for me, please. Let someone. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Give, give her the mind. Praise the Lord. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them and they shall not be few. And I will glorify them and they shall not be small. So to access all that is that in the midst of your tears, you are saying thank you. I remember one day I needed to just walk to church, not for lack of car or lack of uh, money. I just took a long walk. And at that point I realized that my mind had deceived me that I was a young man. I didn't know I was really growing old. 
Because you, know, there's a, you won't know you're growing old once you start walking, 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 you'll be jumping around. Your mind won't tell you you're old. It's your body that will tell you. So at some point, I had this terrible pain on my leg. But I walked into church. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Are you, have you ever asked yourself, what is sacrifice? Sacrifice is the pain that you go through, yet you drag yourself before God. Do you know the truth here, saints? If Shiloh didn't go to, if Anna didn't show up in Shiloh that year, it will wait for another cycle of life. So when you are going through it, don't stop. Keep going. Come to church. Come to church. Come to church. So you're sitting in the morning. So you're sitting in the afternoon. Why? Because you don't know which one. May you not give up on the day of your glory. We don't thank God for what we have alone. We thank God to have also. That's what Jeremiah is saying. Have you seen yourself in the state of people insulting, but you're saying, Lord, I give you glory and praise. And you meant it, oh. You sincerely meant it. You sincerely meant it. You come to church. You don't have that offering. And you're going around out of no shame. You step and say, God, this will be the last time I will step out without an offering. Believe me. If it is painful and you commit it to God, it comes to God as a sweet-smelling servo. It starts to work a miracle on your behalf. Jeremiah said, thank him, and I will prosper you. The last thing I will say that can help you stay in this tough to go again. No, go again. Go again. Don't give up on that marriage desire. You will marry. Believe me. Don't give up. He said in Psalm 42, verse 11, what did he say? Please give someone the mic permanently. You know, it's the same uh, Bible study thing that we used to do in the days when I used to attend Deeper Life. It will give you the mic. You will read the scripture out. Jeremiah, I mean, Psalm 4211. Psalm 4211. Very quickly. Nobody's open, 4211. Thank you. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Thank you. So this that scripture is saying that if you are tired, watch what you say to yourself. The first key is what? See the blessing in everything. The second key is what? Insist on the good news. So I said to myself, see if you will be a billionaire. Honestly, I will be. Now, don't, don't think I'm just exciting myself. You know, Canada is a destination somewhere. Somebody wrote it down on my behalf one day. He said, Pastor Steve, you used to say you go to Canada. I want to see you go to that Canada. You must go. I said, I will go. For real, I will go. Because from USA, I can enter Canada. But not this kind of visa. You will go. I say to myself, David said, why so cast down, Steve? Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. For the trust of men shall fail. Put your trust in God. Don't let the voices of men cast you down. Why so cast down, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. Someone needs to be inspired in his spirit today. Because this sixth day, you have just three minutes to the seventh day. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because when you give up, they will pack up the testimony. I'm out of time already. I'm out of time. I will learn again from Pastor Collins. I tried today. I can only, I can only get better. Because the only, the only way I know I have done well like Pastor Collins is if Pastor has said something. But since Pastor did not make any comments, we know the results already. I know. I know my results. Have you been blessed tonight? Mama, 
Believe me, I have seen people's life transformed. I have seen Pastor Yomi's life. I have seen Pastor Yomi in down times. I know, he will, never, he will never probably remember this thing he told me one particular night. He said, Pastor, if you are tired, take a pen. Pastor, can you remember? He said, take a pen and a plain sheet of paper. Write down everything that is giving you stress. Just write it down. Close it. You will feel better. You know the truth. <laughs> Pastor Collins, but you know it's true. But you know it's true. I'm telling you. And that night, <laughs> I took out the pen and I said, when my age does not equal my achievements, my heart is heavy. You know one of the things, growing up, when dreams, your dreams does not match your current reality, your heart will be broken. I didn't plan to be a tenant at this age of my life. No, it wasn't in the script. Particularly when you now so peep through the window and see that some of your mates are already landlord. I wrote it down. I wrote down other things that I don't have to share with you. But writing it down that day made a lot of strength. So, today, if you are listening to me, either present and online, and you are already thinking of giving up, don't make it an option. No, he says, surely there is an end. Believe me, that end is what you have not seen. Why don't you make God a liar by holding on to his word? Why don't you let God come and tell you, I I'm sorry that I deceived you, that I made you hold on to my word. Let God apologize. But you know the truth? God will never apologize because none of his word will go back to him unfulfilled. But can you wait? Can you hold on, brother? Can you hold on that a miracle will come? Those that have mocked you will come back and tell you congratulations. Someone is blessed already.